you know, I bet some parents in like with a really conservative mindset would want to get this one banned from school libraries or, you know, the public library or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been hearing about that because um, I heard that they were, I don't know if it was, it was locally and probably not just here, but they were talking about wanting to ban the comic book gender queer. And I just, I remember yeah. because we, I go to a local um, LGBTQ book club and we read that like a while ago. Why, why would they, you know, it just, I was just surprised to see that like in the local news. Yeah, there was a case about that recently in Virginia where they were trying to get it not only banned from like schools and everything, but also banned booksellers from selling it to minors in the state, which was, I don't think they really have legal standing for that one, but that one was just so out there. Like, I I think even the coverage from like, um, like publishers associations and librarians were like, we have never seen anyone try to pull this shit before. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I've got the book right here on my shelf. I was just surprised by that. I saw that last week, but wow, yeah. -hmm. Third and fourth volume actually have parental advisories on it. I don't know. I don't remember specifically why. Like, I think there might have been a booby, but... <laughs> Blood is okay, but boobs are too far. This is the American rating system in a nutshell. Yes, exactly. Welcome back, everybody. We are back with more manga in your ears. Helen and Corey are with me. Hey, Hello. We, I don't know if we could say we have a theme this week, but we are going to talk about uh, Blue Period and Little Miss P. Little Miss P is up first. Little Miss P is a four, I think it's a four-volume series put out by Yen Press. Uh, the author is Ken Koyama, and it is... Um, I think it started out as a webcomic, maybe, and it is about um, periods, basically. And there is like a, like, I don't know, a small, like, heart-shaped or uterus-shaped character that goes around in various, like, at least in the first volume, various, like, um, one-shot chapters and um, is in different situations with women and and other people and how they deal like with their periods, how it affects their lives. So the first volume is more like one shot. There's a there's a convenience store worker is one of the stories. Um, a housewife, a writer. There's a superheroine one. Um, there are quite a few. I think there are like ten stories in this first volume, and it kind of gets you used to like a. Uh, the concept and then like the the jokes and stuff but the second volume had like longer stories in it i actually like the second volume a little bit better um but i i read a little bit of this one before and i, I still really enjoyed i like the different situations you think maybe it would get stale after a few chapters or so like ju- like just talking about periods but there's so many different like angles to approach it that it doesn't at least in the first couple of volumes it does it hasn't seemed to like get stale what did you all think? I definitely thought it was getting a little stale um, after reading just <laughs> one volume. Uh, since the, the basic premise of each one of these is that you get introduced to a new character going about their life, and then the period literally shows up and gut punches them every single time. <laughs> Which, I mean, is accurate. It's very accurate. And it's just, 
It's, it seems like by the end of each chapter, people have come to terms with, oh, yes, my period is good for me. And I'm like, no, if I could get rid of this uterus and my periods, I totally would. <laughs> and we meet a couple of other uh, personifications, I guess you would say, like libido, Mr. Virginity, and um, related to the period, uh, Men- Menarch, I think is how you pronounce it. It's um, first period, first bleeding. <laughs> um, yeah, I-, I definitely felt like you could tell this concept in like one short story and not really lose out on anything else. But I didn't read uh, beyond the first volume, so I didn't know that some of the stories go on to be more than one chapter long. I don't know if they were more than one ch- They were just, like, longer, I guess, like, longer narratives. The second volume just felt a little bit different than the first. I think probably if I would have... I actually thought that was just one volume, so I actually didn't know that it was more than one until today. And I think if the second one would have continued on like the first, I would have seen how it could have gotten stale, but the second one just felt very... Not very different, but there were just longer stories, so the author was able to do a little bit more. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um... Well, actually, I don't agree with Helen, but I do agree with April. Um, I did like this manga a lot. Uh, I am obviously the only person that does not have periods on this podcast, but uh, I found it enlightening in a lot of ways um, because I do not have that first-hand experience. Uh, but also, the uh, you're right, there are ten stories in the first volume and then eight stories in the second volume. Uh, and then I read all of the four volumes of this, and each of the stories don't go beyond one chapter. Um, but some of them later on go into like history. Uh, one of the chapters is Little Miss P and the Ancients, where they're uh, learning about how periods were stigmatized to begin with, and it's just some guy being an asshole, uh, which is like a fictionalized tale. Probably. Well, it, I mean, it's fictionalized of how it was told. I'm sure that it really was some guy being an asshole in history. Um, a different one where it's like, here is the first sanitary pag that was ever created in Japan. Uh, a couple of other notes in history where it's like, Japan only... Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, only allowed something in regards to period beginning in the 90s. And I'm like, well, that's kind of horrifying, but um, not very surprising either. Uh, so, yeah, the, the later volumes, I mean, if you wouldn't like... The, the first volume, or you found it to get stale. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say seek out the second volume, but I do think the second, third, and fourth volumes uh, managed to keep up the idea of periods and storytelling with periods without being too overbearing and feeling samey at the same time. Uh, some of them are like, you know, relationship troubles around periods again, but they're telling it in a different way. Those ones might feel a little more samey than the other ones. But I think especially the history ones, and like there is this whole campaign in Japan about department stores wanting to um, destigmatize periods and talking about periods, or at least talking about like you are going through a rough patch in your health as well. Um, but the, spe- the specificity of the the campaign was around periods. Um, I found that to be very interesting too. So like, I just found this very uh, a fun and, and enlightening manga. Um, I mean, all men should read it, at the very least. Yeah, I feel like the the period punch never really got old. It, it always seemed like it was it was perfectly timed. And I just, I think this was this was in the second volume, but uh, one of the stories that stuck out to me was the uh, the couple that went on a trip, like they flew somewhere, and I guess she got her period in the very beginning, and um, her boyfriend like kept wanting to do things like go out and she was always like really tired she was on her period didn't feel like going anywhere and he's like well we come all this way he wasn't he in the beginning he was 
wasn't necessarily trying to be not understanding. He tried to just suggest like activities that weren't so active, but she was just so tired she didn't really want to do anything. And eventually they get into an argument, and um, uh, it it I guess they eventually break up. And so I think that I thought that that was the end of the chapter, but then the chapter goes on for a couple more pages and it shows him again with a with a different woman on a plane i guess they're going somewhere and she says the same thing like oh i'm sorry i just got my period he's like oh it's okay like we can just like chill out and not go anywhere i thought that was an interesting story just i don't know i wasn't really expecting that off of the the one chest that i saw in the first volume so character growth yes i felt bad for his first girlfriend you know (laughs) but Yeah. yeah The ones that were, like, about aliens kind of lost me. Like, I didn't really... Oh, yeah! yeah. I mean, I wasn't really into those. And there was one of them where it's, like, I am the last woman of, uh, presumably of, like, my ex- my existence. And there's someone of a different species, seemingly, that they're trying to have a baby. And that one was, like, really out there. Um, I wasn't too into those. Uh, there was one, also in the second volume, about idols. And, like... Their manager is saying you are not an idol, you are not an athlete until your period stop, which I've read a lot about that. Uh, being a fan of sports, where like um, particularly in soccer, where I'm reading it a lot because I just happen to read a lot of women's soccer coverage. Um, but there's a problem with, of course, women wearing uh, the same uniforms that men do, uh, but the men are wearing all white uniforms, and the women wearing all white uniforms can be a little bit more problematic because uh, surprise, red shows in white a lot very well. Uh, but also because they're like trying to, uh, you know, compete at a very high level, um, and sometimes going through their periods in those times. Um, there are a couple of good articles on the Athletic if you are subscribed to that and are interested in reading those. Uh, I don't know of them off the top of my head, but I can uh, link to them in the show notes by the time I post the episode. You would have to have so much breakthrough bleeding for that point, I think. Like. Frankly, I have never gotten to that part, point in my life, and I don't know how other people wouldn't notice at the, at the moment of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was kind of interesting even reading this first volume to see um, that uh, Little Miss P keeps like giving the characters like tranquilizers and stuff like that, you know, knocking them out, <laughs> making them really tired, since I've never really had that side effect myself. Like, I'm cranky as hell and have like <laughs> sugar cravings, but I've never quite gotten the tired one. So that was interesting to see, since... Since the chump comes up in like every single chapter, I have to assume that is a common side effect, actually, and not the author just talking out their butt or something. Yeah, it's not all the time, but I've de- I've definitely had that where you're just, especially the the day before, so we were just completely wiped out. So yeah, or I remember. Yeah, I forgot about the tranquilizers. <laughs> I remember in the Edo chapter, there's someone who has to go to the. I don't remember what the actual name was, but it's like the hut of shame, basically, because you're on your period, and everyone has to know you're on your period by not going there. Although, I think the implication was was that the girl was a prostitute, so it would be noticeable then. And there was kind of a comment in there of, well, it's nice that we can, you know, take off work when this happens. And this is following a chapter where someone was, um, I think, I think like a writer or something who was being badgered by her editor. And she was thinking to herself, oh, I wish I could take off work when I have a period. So I feel feel like the story was trying to go, you know, there's pros and cons to both of these. And I was just thinking, this sounds more like something to talk to your doctor with if you need stronger meds. Like, check out if you've got endometriosis. Use some sick days. (laughs) I think that they, I think that was in the second volume where there there was a woman like that where she had had pain for like a very long time and one of her co-workers like you might want to go yep. to the doctor she's like never she had never thought to even go so 
It actually yeah. does come up. Angling up that she had like a ovarian cyst, I believe. So Ooh. that was bad. Um, but she went to the doctor for it, so that was good. That is uh, one of the things about growing up when you're trying to figure out, okay, is it normal for my body to hurt like this? Or is this actually an abnormal thing for my body to hurt like this? Because <laughs> sometimes it involves just a very frank discussion for doctor being like, okay, I get this really specific pain. Does that sound normal? <laughs> I don't want to be a hypochondriac, but I'm confused. <laughs> I was also thrown by the that chapter um, that Corey mentioned where they're developing the first sanitary napkin for women in Japan. Since the character was saying, oh, they've had these in the U.S. for years, but they're too big. And I was like, was the design of them different back then? Because today they're all just like adhesives. And even if it was too big, you could still fit it in your underwear. And I'm also thinking just how tiny were Japanese women at this time? <laughs> but um, I was curious, but not curious enough to go look up uh, the history of what the sanitary napkin would have been like circa 1970 or something. Yeah, they talked about like some kind of like rubber underwear. Yeah, yeah. like at the time, the current strategy was like rubber underwear of cotton stuffed into it. And just, oh my God, that sounds terrible. <laughs> and like in the summer, like I've heard of people wearing r- rubber girdles and stuff like that over the years. And I just... It's been really humid around here lately, and it's like, even outside of mostly natural fabrics, I'm dying. I don't even want to think about something as unbreathable as rubber undergarments. Yeah. And it's humid in Japan, too. So. Mm-hmm. It's been 87% humidity the past two mornings when I've gone out to work. Gross. 72 degree dew point. <laughs> I have wanted to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing that I forgot with Little Miss P is that one of my favorite chapters was... Uh, near the end of the series, when like a couple folks, uh, one of them is on their period, meets a period. It's like I've lost my human. Uh, where is she? <laughs> uh, I just thought that was a really enjoyable chapter, and like eventually, you uh, get the impression that the woman got a hysterectomy, and that's why the period is missing from the woman. <sighs> and she's just like, um, yeah, a very. Uh, uh, step in a different direction in terms of the storytelling, but also like, uh, and she she was relatively young. It looked like the character was in her thirties or forties or so. So like a a tragic, or maybe even like her twenties or thirties, because I believe they're still trying to have children. Though. So like a tragic ending there. But um, I like the storytelling. Yeah. So um, this has definitely got like an interesting concept. I don't know if there's a whole whole lot to talk about with it, but I think I think it's at least looking at the first. Least worth looking at the first and maybe second volume. It's um, it's an interesting premise. Some parts of it are really funny. I found it relatable. Uh, so yeah, um, it's it's worth a look. Um, yeah. But with that, we will be back to talk about um, Blue Period. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. Um, I will admit that this the theme for this podcast is definitely all my fault because I thought it would be funny to talk about Blue Period, which has nothing to do with periods. It's a reference to, um, I think, Picasso's works um, and combine that with something that's about literal periods. But now we have moved on from the blood talk to talk about just um, emotional pain instead of physical pain with Blue Period, uh, which is the story of a young man named Yatora. Yatora. Yaguchi. 
Yeah, yeah, I think we could say Yatoro. I, th- I think I'm leaning on this in the right syllables there. Uh, he's a high schooler. Uh, when the story starts, he's in his second year. And he's not precisely aimless. He looks like a delinquent, but he gets pretty good grades without a lot of effort. He's just one of the people where studying comes very easily to him. And he's got genuine friends he hangs out with. But he's not quite tethered, you know, to anything in particular. But uh, when he's dragged over to the school's art club one day, he ends up becoming really inspired by seeing the art produced by some of the other students in the art club. And it makes him think, hey, I kind of want to pursue this. And he gets more and more into art until he is thinking, okay, I would like to go to college for art. But in Japan, there's only one national public college for art, which is Tokyo University of the Arts. And this part is all accurate. The creator actually went to this university. Um, And so Yatora is starting to go to prep school, but not the usual kind of prep school you would think of. He's going to an art prep school to study for the art exam, since to get into an art school, you've got practical exams. And so he is learning as much as he can, going from zero to 60, basically, because he's going from no knowledge of art at all to a highly competitive process the university has like 20 applicants for every open seat you know just a ridiculous rate and um let's see i've read the first seven volumes reviews of volumes three through seven coming soon to the oesg (laughs) uh and it definitely brought back some memories for me since i didn't go to an art school my degree my bachelor's degree is in photography and my school had a photography art program but i was actually in the one that was in the school of technology it was more commercially based so you had to be able to take pictures but also like read a contract you know a deal of crazy ass clients we were also the most dangerous uh department in that building by far since we once had like four people just randomly pass out in a class never figured out why but um the the woodworking and metalworking students respected us after that but I also had some classmates who tried for the art school that was actually at my college, and they didn't get in since my school only let you attempt it twice. Uh, Yator is trying, obviously, to get into Tua right after he graduates, but he learns that it's so difficult that a lot of people attempt two, three, maybe even like five or six times. So I really I think they enjoy talk about up to time. ten times. Yeah, you have a lot of like flexibility in your life, I guess, if you can, since. Yeah, from what the story says, and I'm inclined to believe that there is at least a grain of truth, probably more than a grain of truth for a lot of this, uh, prep school for art is not cheap. And even, you know, finding, you know, a part-time or full-time job over the years while you're trying again and again is not easy. So I really enjoy the series. I definitely have quibbles with it, but I definitely enjoy it more than I didn't. Um, what about you guys? Oh, and there was an anime for this last year. Um, have either of you guys seen that either? Yes, I have seen the anime. I was just looking back on my anime list, uh, top anime list from last year, and I was like, oh, Blue Period really should have been on there, and I kind of regret not putting it on there, but also last year was a really good year for anime, mm-hmm. uh, generally. Um, but, like, yeah, if if I was re-ranking it, I might be on there. If I was uh, ranking it as I was before, it might have been number six. I don't remember what I said, but, like, I really liked this manga. Uh, I really liked the anime, too, obviously. Um... But yeah, I thought this really struck a chord. The same kind of chord that, like, um, Blink Canvas did for me. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, where it's just, like, telling this story of someone who is really struggling at a particular artistic endeavor. Uh, in this case, it is, it is art, literally, um, for both of them. 
but I think this one is doing it really well. It's, it's teaching you uh, a lot of theory about it, too, where uh, I'm just read the first chapter of volume four and that's just beginning to um when he's like oh you have to draw and the teacher is like you have to draw um compositions on, on this little notepad using only circles and triangles mm-hmm. yep. like yep and that's what he's really missing in his art and that's what he noticed before when he went to visit uh, mori uh, who's already in college she was the she was the senpai in school that like really got him into arcs it's like oh she was talking about her art is always about prayer or faith or things of that nature um and before it was angels but now it's literally hands and prayer and he's like i am thinking about this in a different way i'm using techniques um in a what was it he's using the techniques in a how method or something and he should be using it in a why method it's like why is he using this or how is he using it i don't know i don't remember the (laughs) specifics of it but it was along those lines uh, and I find that extremely fascinating because as someone who is a, a general appreciator of art, I cannot give you anything further than like, yeah, I like this. Well, that's always a good start. Um, I'll, I'll say my thought after we give April a chance to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen anime, but I've always wanted to read this one just based on the covers. They just look so pretty. And I've always been meaning to pick this one up. So I was glad that we picked this one for this week. Um, I liked it. I think as a person that like... Um, hasn't quite figured out their thing yet i always enjoy like the series where the character finds something that they're really really passionate about and then like Corey said like that there are like some technique things that i didn't know um in the three volumes that i read so i enjoyed like learning about the different techniques and i enjoyed him like kind of like figuring out what he was missing i like that he just kind of kept at it although where i'm at in the third volume he kind of starts to doubt himself a little bit more mm-hmm. but yeah i just I, I liked watching him trying to fill the gaps or figure out where the gaps were and then like in the earlier volumes when he's um uh, he got some kind of assignment and he's the bonds assignment and he can't figure out like a different way to envision it or a different way to go about it so he talks to other people and he also talks about how like art made him see his life differently and his mom differently and i really appreciate that like it just gave him like a new like a new set of eyes or a way to like uh view his life so i've really enjoyed it i i enjoyed it more than i thought i would i wasn't really sure what to expect i just went solely based off the cover and that we picked it (laughs) but i really like it and i think that i will read um the rest of the ones that are out yeah my mind is going in like 10 different directions so if i can marshal my thoughts into like one orderly structure uh the anime covers through the first six volumes uh it does cut out i felt like some like little character moments that were kind of important so i would say that if anyone's listening to this and wondering which one they should go for i'm recommending the manga over the anime but the anime is perfectly fine and uh yeah there's a moment i think it's in the second volume where Yatora is going to an art museum of a couple of his classmates from the prep school. And he's saying, you know, in some ways he's still so new to art. He doesn't even know what good art is or how to appreciate art. And I felt like, yeah. And I felt like Hashida, who's one of the other classmates had a really good, uh, not explanation, but said something really good to him. What, which was, well, you know, how about starting by, you know, looking at all these pieces, you know, what would you want to buy? And Yatora is able to approach something. Well, I don't really like portraits. Uh, you know, I kind of like these more. 
and is sort of able to start thinking about it. And I felt like that's a really good way for people to start thinking about it. Like, okay, yeah, I like this piece. Can I say why I like this piece? I like the colors. Oh, oh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, My mom, I guess my dad as well, has always been big into art. Uh, When my mom has free time, which is not often, uh, she's actually a docent at the Modern Art College that's attached to um, her college. She doesn't teach art, she teaches politics. I know, explains so much about me. Um, And what my mom likes to say on tours is, not all art is for everyone, which I think goes especially true for really modern pieces, which you see a lot of in the backgrounds of this series. It seems like Tua really goes for very modern, postmodern, etc. styles. But I feel like that feeling that, you know, it is okay to look at a piece of art and go, no, that's not for me. I'm not connecting with it. And I feel like even saying that helps you to understand art more because then it helps you understand, well, what do I connect with? What am I you know, appreciating here? And I can definitely remember like the exact moment I started appreciating art and um, art museums. It was, uh, it was actually at my mom's college. They had a collection of portraits not portraits, uh, landscapes by Ansel Adams, who was um, a very famous uh, landscape uh, photographer from earlier part of the 1900s. His style still has a lot of effects on uh, people who shoot landscapes today. And her um, museum had some reproductions of his images since, I mean, they're negatives. So there's never just a single uh, print produced from a negative. And being able to see it in person and just look at it so closely, I could see like the individual grains that had gone into turning this piece of paper into the print in front of me was what really crystallized it for me. And that was already my junior year in the photography program. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like this series is very approachable for people who aren't like art nerds to start with, but who are like, yeah, I'm open to the idea of art. You know, I'm art curious. I feel like it's very approachable in that way. It talks about, you know, not only kind of those bigger themes, like if Yator is struggling, like, well, how do I think of bonds? How can I express this on a canvas? To even more technical things like, here's a little bit of color theory about, like, contrasting colors. Stuff like that. (laughs) And I also felt like those moments worked better in the manga than they did in the anime. I just remember that they flowed more easily in the manga. Because I think one thing we've mentioned before is that with manga, it's more easy to have sudden shifts in tone and focus than it is with anime, just due to the nature of anime has so many other pieces to coordinate, you know, movement, color, voices, music. But with manga, it's much easier just to get, you know, your drawings in a line, you know, and pace and flow things together. Yeah, listening to you talk about it, I think I think the biggest thing for me and one of the big reasons that I like this, I think i I'm obsessed with like how things work or the process of things. So I enjoy like him like drawing or painting or whatever he does and then him trying to figure out, well, how do I express this? How do I express that? What material do I use? And then the teacher will come back with a new technique and he's figuring out how to incorporate that. So the whole time like I'm enjoying it as entertainment, but I'm also like, huh, it, it's like interesting just to I, obviously I don't know how accurate I'm not necessarily an artist myself, but I just like that process. Like, and I think um, one of the things I remember from the first volume is that he meets a girl at when he first goes into I don't know if it was the art club or whatever and she's he says something about her oh, like oh you're so talented oh yeah that, like, that, that was Mori Senpai yeah 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 and she says oh I'm not like I'm not t- 
talented and she almost takes it as an insult and she's like when you say I'm talented you're you're like overlooking all the hard work that I put into it I, you know I learned how to do these things and that's the part of the series that I really enjoy that it focuses on that he's not like necessarily some some art prodigy he's just like learning and trying to see what he likes and I think that's the part of the series that I really enjoy mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I mean, they, he put that he but um, the manga cut puts a lot of roadblocks in front of him uh, that you would expect a beginner to art to experience too, right? Because he's um, he doesn't know a lot of things about like the theory and the basics of it. He's just kind of learning as he goes, and because he's learning as he goes, but he has to start on like level seven, and he's only level two. <laughs> he's he's running into things where he like he can get up to that level, but he doesn't know how he got to where uh, where it was that good. Uh, and trying to replicate that, like he literally tries to replicate it um, at one point, like or copy himself at one point, and it's like it's not as impactful because uh, he doesn't understand what he was necessarily what he was trying to do with the first one. And he doesn't understand how to apply those theories, but not the exact same technique into a second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as the series goes on, Yatora develops. I think it's. I think you could call it a little bit of imposter syndrome, since he might th- not think of himself as a prodigy. But the fact that he has gotten so far in like less than two years of study, as of Volume Seven, where I brought up to anyway, is really remarkable and yet he still feels like oh maybe i shouldn't be here you know maybe i'm you know somehow you know a fake or you know why am i here and um i try to be sympathetic towards people with imposter syndrome it's not something i have myself so it can be a little difficult although at those times i felt more annoyed at like the people around him for not providing like a lot of support um there's a scene in the seventh volume where um a fellow classmate of his from the prep school is saying, oh, yeah, these teachers probably told you this because they actually meant this. And since you haven't done a lot of other art, you know, you probably took it this way. And he's like, wow, yeah, you just completely contextualized all of this. He's like, thank you. And she's like, you could, she's like, you, you get happy the weirdest of things, you know. Um, but yeah, the, I really also like a lot of the side characters in the story. There's a lot of people with just interesting reasons that they're interested in art. The one who I don't like so much is kind of Yatora's rival, um, Yotsuke, who is rather arrogant in some ways. He's got that confidence that turns into arrogance. Say, you know, well, of course I'm going to pass this entrance exam where only one out of 20 people get in, you know, because I'm good at this. And it's like, ah, I'm just waiting for someone to take him down a peg. Just so someone to be like, no, you're not as good as you think. I'm just really hoping that happens. Yep. Yeah, and I don't think, um, I don't remember what that character did in the anime where I am in the manga, but like I don't think you're supposed to like that guy. But at the same time, no. I think he's like a li- maybe a little too one note, but he's not in there enough for me to be annoyed at it yet. Yeah, he's the character who goes to the shrine of Yatora at one point um, for New Year's, and I remember the anime cut out one or two scenes involving him, which I felt helped explain why Yatora was so interested in him as well. Or Actually, I remember what scene they cut out. So uh, when Yator is joining the prep school, uh, he's in a part of a class. And so they're all working on the same assignments. And there's like one assignment they do. And this other guy, Yotsuke, has just created like this really great work of art that just kind of takes Yator's breath away. And then when they do this next assignment, he's looking around and he's not spotting his. And then he sees it's like a very average looking piece, which I thought was a really great um, way of showing that, you know, even a supposed genius, you know, has their strengths and weaknesses. But the anime had to cut out that second one for lack of time. 
I guess. And I, I felt like that was a good moment for establishing why Yator is so interested in this guy who doesn't seem to like him that much. Doesn't seem to really like anybody that much. Like, again, I just really want this character to go down a peg in life because he <laughs> needs it. <laughs> do we learn more about him in, in later? I mean, I assume we do, do we? I mean, not so much. I mean, it seems kind of obvious from the start that this is probably a guy who's had very little luck, you know, making friends, probably isn't too gregarious of anyone, including his own family members, et cetera, et cetera. And we get more along the lines of confirmation of that than anything else. <laughs> well, okay. I don't really know how to feel about the the character and the portrayal of Yuka in particular, but like, do you all have uh, yeah. feelings about it? Is it bad? Uh, oh, oh, right, since we haven't touched on this character yet. Uh, Yuka slash Ryuji, um, I'm genuinely not entirely sure which names he used, is um, a classmate of Yatora's from high school, also in the art club, also somebody that they've known for years. Uh, their birth name, at the very least, is Ryuji. Um, but they often go by Yuka to their friends, and they are often wearing um, either women's clothing or a mixture of men and women's clothing, and definitely styling themselves, makeup, hair, etc., female-wise. And they're definitely involved with a lot of struggles at home, with, you know, conflicts with parents, trying to express themselves, figuring out what they want to do in life, etc., etc. Um, yeah, it's kind of complicated there. I haven't really made any judgment yet since I feel like their story is going to continue on for the entire series, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my biggest complaint there was there's a line, I think it's in volume five or so, where uh, this character, I'm just going to say Yuka for the for the sake of ease, especially since that's the name they seem to go by the most often. Uh, Yuka is really struggling, has um, taken the first part of the Tua entrance exam and failed out of it uh, the first first part of the entrance exam was draw a self-portrait, which is a little um, triggering for them, I guess. Uh, and so they're, compl- um, and Yator is trying to figure out how to reach out to them, stuff along those lines. And Yuka kind of lashes out with, you're the kind of person who would bring a lifesaver to save a drowning person, but wouldn't jump in yourself. And I just really took, I bristled at that since a couple of other characters um, are like, yeah, I can understand what they mean, but they're right. Since I feel like I'm one of those people whose friends have been having emotional breakdowns ever since I was in high school. So I feel like I have often been the person bringing the life preserver, but I've also been the person knowing that if you jump in and start drowning, you're even less help at that point. Kind of um, what they say on airplanes, you know, secure your own um, um, air mask before helping someone else. And so it felt a little frustrating to see someone understandably lashing out in that sort of way, but the manga sort of tacitly going along with it. Um, like I said, the mangaka also went to this art university, Tua, and I'm kind of wondering what their experience was, because it just seems torturous from start to begin, start to end, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the easiest read on Yuka is that they are trans, and they seem to have not realized that themselves yet, or they don't have the language and um, knowledge to, to realize that yet. But They uh, definitely like men. I think they might also like women, but definitely men. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple scenes where uh, men are off-put by Yuka um, because they are told by Yuka that um, they are biologically male, uh, and other men don't like that because they are transphobes. Um, well, or they're just fair, like I not mean, sexually. People are on a date with someone and they're not the gender you're expecting. I can see that at charitably at the least throwing people off, you know? Uh, right, yeah. Um, starting the relationship on a... Uh, at least in misdirection is probably not the greatest idea too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I remember the the moment when uh, Yuka said that to Yakuza, and like that was uh, pretty harsh, obviously. But yeah, there is there is a different argument that like you don't want to ground together. Uh, you should you can help them out, but the uh, the thrust of the meaning of it is that like you would uh, help them in a way that's not endanger you in any way. Like that still hurts. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't so angry at that character for having that feeling as I was. It seemed like the, even the manga was kind of going along with the idea of, oh, yeah, you should be willing to jump in and drown together. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I work very hard to keep my own mental health, you know, in a good place. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to go drown a friend. Instead, I'm going to form like a three year plan to get them into therapy. <laughs> I've done this. I have succeeded. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten far enough along in the series to have a real, like a, a full read on that character because I, I wasn't sure what the main character thought of her. Like at least in the first couple of volumes, there's a scene where he's like, "She's really weird," mm-hmm. and I was like, "I don't know where this is going." Until he talks about her being weird for a little bit, but, so, but then he's like, "But the longer I hang out with her, she doesn't seem as weird anymore." I'm like, "Okay, I don't know where that was going." <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how. I, feel about that yet um i think that she's an interesting character but i don't think i've read uh far enough into the series to really know but i plan to i've, I've really enjoyed this mm. one yeah i mean i guess the doctor goes crazy he seems to just take things at face value and not really judge them uh for good or bad based on like what they do uh he just thinks that it's generally weird for a guy to cross dress as a girl i believe that doctor calls yuka ryuji um <laughs> yeah but uh, I don't. I also don't get the impression that uh, Yuka Ryuji, whatever they prefer to be called, uh, has a strong preference in either direction. Um, maybe leaning more toward Yuka, but I, yeah, it's hard to tell, especially when they they are not unique as much. I think she uh, they work well as a contrast character to uh, Yakuza, and in, in the narrative, it's like someone who is, seems to be very talented within art, but. Uh, just flames out in this first stage. Kind of unfortunate. Yeah, someone else who artistically already has a very strong sense of style, something that Yatora doesn't quite have yet. But even they still don't quite have the focus that you really needed to get through art school with your sanity intact. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely remember my last semester of college. Uh, what I always say is I hope to never be that busy in my life again. <laughs> uh, there's a moment where um, you guys having... Um, a real falling out of their parents. Their parents have like confiscated everything they own. Mm. And so um, the two of them are going like off to the beach to blow off steam for a night. And Yator is like, Oh, it's okay. You know, I- I've got this little notepad with me so I can keep coming up with composition ideas here. So I won't be losing time with drawing. Um, you know, I won't be losing, you know, too much, you know, valuable study time. And I was like, God, that's a mood. Cause I just remember by my senior year, uh, the way that my college worked, um, you would produce a portfolio in your last semester, and that was kind of like what the whole semester was culminating towards. Since for photography, your portfolio can actually be something you take with you afterwards to get hired with, to show off. It's very practical in that regard. And I remember getting to the point where I would just have to carry like a little notebook around so I could always write down ideas or draw, jot out ideas as they came to me because I needed so many ideas. I needed to have so many options you know to work from and choose from so i i definitely remembered that and i also remember getting into kind of that feverish state of being able to come up with that many ideas at once and my god i hope i'm not in that mindset ever again that is exhausting yeah. also much sympathy to yator's stress hives 
I did not get those in college, but I've had those post-college, and they are the worst. You know? I was about to say, he did not uh, exit the exam period uh, free of free of pain because of all the hives. Yeah. And I believe it's like it's like you're stressed out, so you get hives, and then you're more stressed out about the hives, and just continues along until you get some very strong antihistamines. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe he like almost passes out from yeah that stress. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like it's emotionally, if not like completely accurate to real life, without being slavish or um, even like glorifying these sorts of things. You know, mm-hmm. it feels rather honest in its approach, and I appreciate it for that. Um, and I assume there's like a sale going on or something, but I got the first volume for like a dollar, at least at least on at least on like Kindle. So it would be worth checking out if you have that. Available. Yeah, I think Kodansha is doing a sale right now where a whole bunch of volume ones are on sale for 99 cents. And they do that kind of sale fairly often, probably just, you know, to lure folks in, you know, come on, check out more manga. Well, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> And the later volumes, too, are $5.99, $6.99-ish, so I was able to get, I think, three, and I think I only paid, like, 13 bucks for them. So and it, it served as a good introduction to the series. And since this is Kodansha, that means you can find their manga digitally on, like, practically any service that stays still long enough to get Kodansha manga thrown onto it. <laughs> uh, Kodansha is a little sluggy like that. They, their manga gets around. But, yeah, I think we are rounding out this episode with two pretty full-hearted recommendations here, which is... I don't know. It feels like it's been a few episodes since we've done that. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, unless you guys have any other last thoughts, we'll just close this up and let our listeners get back to reading. <laughs> uh, but anyway, close out this episode. Um, where can we find everyone on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Ren. I don't do anything there, but I really enjoy talking about Mon with you all. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear, at least. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dreamer. And you can find the other place where I host a podcast, write reviews, including Blue Period, manga reviews, etc., etc. You can find us on Twitter at the OSG, or you can find the website at theosg.com. If you want to look up the podcast, the full name of the podcast is It's Not My Fault the OSG Podcast is Not Popular. It is also not my fault. That is the title. That was from before I became a regular on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking, April, like if you were not on this podcast, I would have no idea what was whether you were still alive. <laughs> I friends with her on Facebook, so I could just I could just see you like hanging out with friends and eating sometimes, and I could be like, oh man, I need to do that. I need to hang out with friends and have good food. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 happy that you're concerned about me, but I'm still here. <laughs> uh, all right, you can find me on Twitter at impassionate K. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Monging Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. It's T A I I K U. And uh, that's it. Back to the regular schedule. Three weeks from now, we'll be talking about manga again. See you guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Have you read any of these? I'd have to 
look at it again. I think I've read a couple of them already, but I mean, I'm always down to read more cat manga, so. Cat in a hot girl's dorm. I'm not down to read that. <laughs> the cat told me about that lure in the store. She's like, did you see that? They just make anything now. 